So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all wanna create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we wanna do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey everybody, happy, happy July 24th. Welcome back to This Week in Housing. Uh, I am super excited about today's show. I'm looking at what we're going to cover, the content we're going to cover. Um, but let's go ahead and bring in our guests and, uh, and maybe split it three ways, Tristan, so we can see everybody. Uh, so uh, David, as always, welcome back. David, give us a quick State of the Union. How are you? How's the family? And I know we got a lot of interesting information to cover today. Yeah, we, we, we do have a lot to cover, and uh, it's always great to, to do these. It's, it's even fun to do this a little bit earlier on a Friday. Uh, yeah. You know, we've, we've done these later in the afternoon, but all is well with, with our Keeping Current Matters team, the KCM crew, you know, doing great research. And, you know, I think I was looking back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and we're back in a time where, you know, what we talked about two weeks ago, things are different today, and, and they'll be different next week and the week after. And so I'm excited to share a lot of that research and uh, just excited to, to, to do these on Fridays always with you. Me too. And I'm super pumped to bring in Coach Alicia Essig from the Baltimore area. Take, hey, take a second and introduce yourself to this group. Tell them how long you've been in the business. Give them some optics on where you work, the size of your business, how many transactions, so they understand why, you know, myself and the coaching community, your coaching clients have so much, you know, uh, affection for you is the best way to describe it. So give it to us. Thank you, Tom. So um, I am from Baltimore, Maryland, born and raised. Um, I got my license in 1998. Uh, this has been my only career. And I, I like to say that because probably 80% of people in the business, it's their second career. It's all I've ever done. And I've worn a lot of hats in the world. I've been a solo proprietor when I was 24 years old. I, um, I then stepped into a management role for a couple of the large brokerages here. I, I ran one of the top producing offices, uh, recruiting high, um, uh, I'm gonna use a little terminology, PPP per agent productivity. I had one of the highest per agent productivity when I was managing. And, and then you came along and said, hey, we think you'd make a great coach. So I joined the Tom Ferry organization five years ago stepped out of management and uh, I've grown a team to nine agents. Uh, we currently have about 30 pending escrows um, and uh, it's, it's, it's good. I love this business. I'm, I'm passionate about all things real estate. I was also my local board association president in 2018. So I, I've, I've done quite a few things in this business. Yes, you have. And uh, you know, so I'm excited to have you on the show today. We're going to talk about, for my friends that are out there watching, uh, we're going to talk about the economy. There's you know, certainly some, some nervousness in the marketplace. We're going to talk about the housing recovery, what we're seeing, the data, the facts. You know it because you're as busy as you can imagine, but you also understand there is almost no listings available for sale, which we're going to discuss in a minute. We're going to talk about the unemployment numbers. And you know, every time we do this, this is one of those raw and real conversations. Just let the data speak for itself but be mindful of the misinformation that the news and, and just, you know, the water cooler conversation now done on Zoom that people are saying what these unemployment numbers mean. Um, and then I asked David and the team at KCM, could you go back and do some historical research to help us understand 
Is there a correlation between unemployment and home sales? And, and though it's going to be at the very end, so you got to hang on tight, um, we're going to cover that. And I think, no, I know you're going to be shocked. It's going to give you a lot of information to discuss, uh, to share, to get ahead of, to, to do your best to control the narrative. And then, yes, there will be a WTF, Susie Ormond, sometime during this. So before we jump in, I want to, I want to stress to you, uh, what I'm sensing right now, when I, you know, I talk to you know, 17 different CEOs every, every other week, when I'm talking to top agents, when I'm texting with brand new agents that are just entering in the business, I see, and, and, and Alicia, I want, I want your input on this, and David, I want your input on this, and then we're going to go right into the slides. I see that there's essentially five or six major challenges that you're facing in your business right now. Five or six major challenges that we're working with our clients every day to overcome. The number one, not in order of importance, just number one on the list, is the misinformation, right? Is, is the number of consumers that would like to sell that think they can't find the next house. They would like to sell, but they're not sure if it's safe. They would like to sell, but they're afraid the entire world is about to fall apart. And when you look at the data around the number of listings that are available and what's coming on the market, it, it speaks to the misinformation. Now, David, how long have you and Steve and everyone been saying, we've got to control the narrative, we've right. got to create more content, we have to get the word out, and if we don't, guess what? It's going to be trouble, right? Yeah. There's too much buyer demand, the interest rates are at historic lows, there's too many good things happening. If we don't remove the, the sort of layer of misinformation, fear and doubt in the marketplace, then too many customers will miss this window of opportunity and your buyers are going to suffer, which leads me to the other issue, which is getting offers accepted. And I've asked Coach Elisa to talk about that today. Not getting enough consistent listings is number three on the list. Number four is getting our time back, right? And I was thinking about this. I was in a conversation with a client who said to me, I'm exhausted right now. And I said, well, of course you're exhausted. We've compressed the spring and summer market into three months. And if you're in Manhattan, we've compressed it into two and a half months. So you've got to do six month worth of sales and work in this short period of time. Of course you're exhausted, but I know a lot of you aren't using your time effectively, right? That you're, you're too busy reacting versus planning. And I'm just, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, number five is staying mentally tough. We need to be mentally tough right now. And the last one is the constant and never ending extend your brand, find your tribe, extend your trust. So more and more people are calling you. Alicia, I know you see this. I see this with, you know, the, the sort of top tier clients that I've worked with forever. And these up and comers, three, four years in the business that have used this device to be a truth teller, to be a storyteller, they are so busy. They're going on two, three, four listing appointments a day. I see those as the big six issues. Before we jump into the data, Alicia, talk to me. Getting offers accepted. If we do nothing else on this show besides educate them on the data, which David's going to do brilliantly, what, what do you think is the problem today with buyers' agents and getting their offers accepted, and how do we solve it? So, real life story um, put a house on the market, um, had two, 30 showings in 24 hours, uh, got two offers, accepted one buyer flaked out and walked a week later, put it back on the market, had another 30 showings and eight offers the second time around. Um, at the end of the day, what the sellers are looking for, number one, is their net. 
Um, so, you know, how do you do that in a market like mine where our average sales price or, you know, if you go back to um, what Bill Pipe said on a pivot session a few uh, weeks ago about 45% of the loan applications were millennials, right? So millennials are coming into the market, but they don't have a ton of cash. So, you know, out of the eight offers I had on this house, seven of them were requesting um, seller help. So making sure that you understand the net to the seller. So either trying to reduce the seller help, get the seller help from the lender. Um, rates are so low right now. Ask the lender if they can do a lender credit to help with some of the closing costs. Um, you know, in my state, we have um, a very high transfer tax rate. The, um, so offer, have the buyer offer to pay the seller's transfer taxes so that you're not going so high that yep. then you have an appraisal issue. Yep. Um, on those eight offers, we did not accept the highest priced offer by a long shot because it wouldn't have appraised, it wouldn't have mattered. It was not doing the seller justice. So making sure you understand the best possible way to get the seller the highest net, that's number one. Number two, I can't stress enough building rapport with the listing agent. Um, again, out of the eight offers I had, um, you know, the one who won was the one who called me before she showed it, after she showed it, what does the seller need? You know, literally crafted the offer so that it spoke to the seller's needs. Timing is huge, especially now when we don't know where sellers are going or they need to find their home of choice, things like that. Yep. Um, the last one is actually when you're working with buyers. I call it my ladder strategy. Um, this is something that I've used with buyers. So as I said, I've been in the business since 1998. So I've already done this once. Yeah. Um, this market feels very much like 2003 when we didn't really know what hit us. And um, I was taught a fa fabulous strategy where, you know, let's say the asking price is 300,000 and you've done your counseling with the, with the buyer. They are understanding the market conditions. They know they have to go over and really fight for the house. So they say, you know what, I'm willing to go to 310. And you say, okay, Tom, if you find out someone paid 312 for the house, how would you feel? Um, I guarantee you, if you'll go back and Tom will turn around and say, oh, I'd pay 312. Okay. So if you find out someone paid 315 and you literally rung up the ladder until you hit their ceiling, you have to do it in appropriate increments for your marketplace and for your price points. You know, if we're talking a million and a half property, you're probably gonna do 25, $30,000 increments. Um, at the 300 and the $200,000 property, we do it in thousand or $2,000 increments until we find their ceiling that says, it's okay, someone else can have it for 318. Um, and so you walk up the ladder with them so that they really feel like they're putting their best foot forward. Because when you then put the fear of them, somebody else might pay $1,000 more. Would you have paid $1,000 more? And right. they're like, no, no. So it is um, really, those are my three biggest strategies on getting your offers accepted. I love it. I love it. Now, I know as you're watching this, you're like, we're here for KCM data, but I'm seeing in the comments, you understand why I asked Coach Alicia to join us today because we know right now, if we just get our buyers in position to win, 
your business gets better, they get their clients, that's way more referrals for you. Um, so David, yeah, we're gonna go completely different direction. Let's talk about the economy, my friend. It's time to take over the slides. Everybody yeah. get ready because what we're gonna cover for the next you know, 35, 40 minutes, uh, some is gonna be a punch you know, to the gut, uh, just keeping it real, and some you're gonna go, OMG, I need to screenshot that. I need to go to, you know, KCM, mykcm.com forward slash Tom Ferry, yep. download that one. And when you see the last two slides, the last two slides, you are going to be the king or queen of education in your marketplace. So David, let's yeah. talk about economic recovery. Let's, let's talk about that. Now, I want to say something. I mean, the, the strategy that you just laid out, uh, Alicia, is, uh, is brilliant. Yes. And, and I, I want to offer something here that in what we're going to talk about today, that we're going to talk about, uh, you know, economically what's going on, that the housing market, Tom, you mentioned unemployment and forbearance, and then this relationship between home sales and unemployment, all of this information, it's going to be a lot of information we're going to cover over the next, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And, and, and as you're going through a strategy like that, Alicia, being, having access to the information to be able to overcome objections yeah. and be able to, to, to deliver um, really what's happening in the market right now is what we have to do. So I'm going to say this, you, you know, we uh, at KCM, we go over this stuff every week. We spend uh, about three hours on Thursday just as a team saying what all's happened and, you know, compiling it. I would say come back and watch this video. Watch it another time so that you really get it because it, it, it takes a while to get it. And the other thing is, is get the information out in the market uh, and, and, and make sure that it doesn't you know, die with us. We always say that because just because we know it and just because we're talking about it, we can't assume that somebody else knows it. And there are big questions today. There are big questions that need answers. So let's talk about the economy. And I, and I want to start from this perspective. Alicia, you and I were talking about this. You're like, hey, I, you know, economists have, have said a lot of different things in the shape of recovery. L let me show you just a kind of a, a landscape of what people are saying right now. And then let's have that discussion about what do we see happening? Because I think it's fair to say right now, um, depending on where you live across the country, depending on what is going on, there's some fear creeping back into the market. You know, we just did a, uh, a webinar this week at Keeping Current Matters on a 2020 market forecast. What's the second half going to bring? And there are a lot of people going, hey, we have some questions right now. We don't know what's going on. So let's try to sort of unpack that and go through it. And I'll share a few slides that we can then uh, have a discussion on. So I'll start off here with a quote from Morgan Stanley. It's from the chief global economist. And, and uh, it says, we believe this will be a sharper but shorter recession and recent upside surprises in growth data and policy action have increased our confidence that this will be a deep V-shaped recovery. Now, we, we, we've talked about this for a while. A lot of experts saying, you know, V, U, Nike, Swish, W, L, a lot of things assigned to it. But I think it's safe to say what they're saying is we saw things go down and we're seeing them come back up. Now, the ultimate question is how quickly how strong will that recovery be? That's what we're looking at right now. So I pulled a couple of things to look at that. The first is the impact right now that we can look at at what consumers are spending. And this slide right here uh, is a survey uh, of what you know, total spending looks like as compared to January 1st. And you can certainly see here, January, February, March, 
Um, we have uh, spending negligible or you know slightly down uh, as compared to January 1st and then this deep uh, drop we know where everybody kind of put their hands in their pocket and said we're not going to do anything right now and then fast forward that to today where you know we're in July and we're seeing that come back I think the next report of this is going to show something that's very close to uh, to even on that forming you know somewhat of a V type of recovery relative to consumers now so, I want to I want to just jump in really fast here at yeah. least when you, when you see this doesn't that look, that looks like a V to me. Mm -hmm. it, it does. Um, it, it absolutely does. It looks like a V. And um, I had asked in the, our pre-chat show, um, my team locally interviewed an economist as well about two months ago. And, you know, we didn't really know then. We were kind of in the mid or early May. Um, and he talked about it could be a DV or it could be a W. Um, David, what do you what do you say about that? You know, I, I think relatively speaking, let's talk about where the conversation has been. Is it a V? Is it a U? Is it, you know, there was this talk of an L, which is the economy is going to go down and, and stay down. We're pretty sure that's not happening, you know, but I Good. think where you're seeing differences is this, um, you know, there there is, are we going to start to see uh, shutdowns based on the coronavirus. That is the question at hand. And, and I think probably what we will see going forward are some localized shutdowns. I, I don't think if there's a if there's a problem here in Richmond where I'm at, they're going to shut down where you're at, Tom, or you're at Alicia. You know, I, I don't think we're going to go back through that. If there's a problem in Florida, they're not going to shut Montana down. Um, th that is the reality of the economy that we we live in. So um, you know, things could get, get wobbly there. And I think that may come where, you know, the W comes into play, but I think you're going to see businesses continue to, um, innovate and get back to what they're doing. It's just going to look different, but, but, but that's what we see. And, and I think the, that's not going to be the same for every industry. Um, it's going to be different, uh, for, for, if you're in the airline business, probably some time to, to get back. If you're in, you know, a, a, another type of business, the sign business, or, you know, even right now, the clothing business is coming back very strong. Uh, I think it's going to be a tale of, of, of which type of business you're in. Look at our business. I mean, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, coming back very, very strong. Well, and I think too, that part of the sharp decline in the decline was this sort of like, oh my God, what is happening? Oh and so God. there was just so much, you know, I mean, what is happening? We don't know how to deal with it. You know, stay home sure. because that's the best way. And yeah. so now people are getting more comfortable walking the path. You know, I, I started out July with my coaching clients saying, hey, let's, let's, let's pretend this is the new year. Like we know what we're, we know what we've got now. Like, this is what it is. It's going to be this way for a little while. And so therefore, we have to, just like Tom did immediately, was pivot. And I think a lot of people have pivoted, companies have pivoted. And so, you know, like you guys talked about on the last um, housing, uh, this week in housing last week, the, the service industries, obviously, that's going to be a much bigger roller coaster. Um, but the other things, I think, just in generally speaking, you're going to talk about it, um, just general confidence 
um, is uh, much better now in a bunch of areas because people just feel more comfortable going out, maybe going to a restaurant, maybe not. They know their place basically. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, I can, I can be on this path and I'm okay. So you could almost yeah. argue that it doesn't matter what Dr. Fauci says anymore. Most people have recognized wearing a mask is a really good idea and staying right. six feet apart is a really good idea. You know, out, outside of that, it's like, this is the new norm. Let's keep moving forward. David, let's show them the slide because I, I think it's important for everybody to see. And this is one of those kind of maybe snapshot moments if you haven't gone and downloaded the slides yet, because now you actually see each of the industries and what's happening. So right. take a look at this. Yeah, so I, this is what I was talking about before. You know, this is a, a look at different businesses across the pandemic and the shutdown. So let's just call out what we see here. If you're in the grocery business, it's been a good several months for you. You know, if you're in the plexiglass business, business is good right now. You know, if you're, there are businesses that are being impacted, not, not suggesting that is the overwhelming majority of businesses, it's not, but I am suggesting it's not equal. You know, I mentioned before that, you know, apparel and, and, and those businesses are, are very close to, to being back where they were uh, as compared to the beginning of the year. And that's what we really started out looking at is how long would it take us to get back to where we, you know, we started from. And, and, and we see it's not going to be equal across the businesses that are out there in this country. Um, you know, transportation there at the bottom, you know, you think about that in the travel business and things impacting, uh, you, know, you know, cars, even people going to work every day not coming back as quickly as, you know, uh, some of the other restaurants kind of splitting the middle there. And they're, you, you know, kind of saying, hey, we can, we can offer takeout. We can feed you, you know, uh, outside. We can have a social distance, you know, layout inside of our, our building. We can figure this out and, and you know, starting to, starting to make their way up. So I think it gives us a, a perspective on what is happening across the economy. And again, I would argue there, we're seeing the formation of a V. So, so if somebody's going to say there's going to be a W or something like that, I think it has to do with how, um, you know, how strongly the economy recovers going forward. Yep. The, the other piece there for consumers that I, I think we've touched on this, but I, I pulled this slide in is, um, you know, the, the impact on savings across the country uh, when we, you know, since we've been kind of shelter in place and, and, and during the time where we haven't been out and about as frequently. And you can see two out of three, almost two out of three are saying, yes, I'm saving more money right now. I'm not spending as much as I was. Uh, there certainly is a quarter that's saying, hey, I'm earning the same, but I'm spending more because of a, a, a different reason. And and 12% saying I'm, I'm, uh, I'm spending less and my income has dropped. And, and so that gives us a perspective of what's going on, even as we start to talk about forbearance and other things like that, what is going on with the consumer, but the, the overwhelming uh, majority of people are saying I'm saving more and we're certainly seeing that in deposit rates uh, as well at banks. But the encapsulating piece here, I think was summed up very well by the Wall Street Journal. And they say a strong economic recovery depends on effective and sustained containment of COVID-19. These economists said in the latest monthly survey by the Wall Street Journal, with 91% uh, of these economists agreeing somewhat or strongly that it would depend on containment of the pandemic. So as we, as we see things starting to come back, starting to make that V shape, we can't give you tomorrow's news. We can't look forward. We can see what's happening with 
you know, what they call, you know, the therapeutics and the drugs and vaccinations and things like that. And everybody's got an opinion on that, no doubt. Um, but, but, if, if things change dramatically tomorrow, all this information changes. If that takes six months, if that takes 12 months, whatever it is, that's gonna have an impact on how we recover overall in our business. So David and Alicia, I know we're gonna talk about the housing recovery. Uh, I wanna just, I wanna ask everybody that's watching live right now, and, and you know, if you're watching this later, certainly make a comment. Um, how many of you are seeing uh, people saying, you know, if this is the new norm, I need a different home? I want to know that from everybody. So I want to see it in the comments, right? So, you know, how many of you are saying, hey, if this is the new norm, you know, maybe that, you know, two bedroom with no backyard and no outdoor space is no longer a good idea. Um, while I'm waiting for those comments to roll in, I'll also share with you that uh, a couple CEOs, myself included, we, we basically surveyed all of our employees and we basically asked the question, not, you know, do you want to come back to work, but like, what's your general sort of feel? And David, uh, one of the companies with 500 employees, you know, in four different states in the U.S., right? Some red states and some blue states. 82% said, "Hey, as long as as long as you're good, I'm good. I'd prefer to work from home." And when we dug deeper in the survey, we asked this question, "Why?" And 36% said, "Hey, if this is the new norm, I don't have to live here 15, 20 minutes from the office. I can live anywhere." So I can change the quality of my life. I can get to a better school. I can get to more land or whatever it may be. And I know everybody that's watching right now, if you're in Connecticut, if you're in uh, Jersey, if you're in upstate New York, you're watching the, the massive migration out of some vertical living areas into, I want some land. So I'm just looking to see the comments. And now, of course, they're going off like crazy. So yes, you guys are seeing this. Yep. Um, Alicia, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that as I throw that before we talk about the housing uh, recovery? So, you know, a few years ago, um, there was a lot of talk of your, um, your footprint, right? So websites like WalkScore and things like that were really, you know, because it was like, I'm, I want to reduce my, my footprint. I don't want to, my carbon footprint. I don't want to drive. I don't want to do this. I want to do that. Um, and so, you know, it's funny, personally speaking, I live in one of those kind of outlying suburbs and I was like, oh God, my, my value of my house is going down, right? And the interesting thing is that has literally flipped on its side because people are like, well, if we're going to work from home and be at home all the time, just like you said, they want land, they want pools, they want, they want like amenities within their home. So the outlying suburbs that were struggling, shall I say, that's probably too strong of a word, are without a doubt not struggling anymore. Um, you know, we're, we're, same thing, looking for inventory, um, and the denser areas are not nearly as busy, but the, but the millennials, the first time buyers, they're buying in that, in that, because that's filling that gap, which, you know, all real estate is connected. So you got to have the first time home buyers so that you can have the second time home buyers and so that they can then buy the retirees and then they can, you know, go to Florida. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking at what, uh, what John, I think it's uh, Bathurst said, biggest challenge are clients that were downsizing have put this on hold yes. because kids are now staying home from school, staying home from college. We're seeing the same, I mean, we're, we're hearing the same thing. So, Correct. so David, all this, all this has, you know, sort of a, you know, a binary situation because that means some markets are struggling and other markets, other price points, et cetera, are completely on fire. 
let's give them the overall housing economy. Right. And I want to really get to that slide at the, those last two at the end that I think are just so important for us. So yeah. let, let's talk housing recovery. Yeah, so housing recovery, we're obviously, you know, are, are going to talk about the macro U.S. data across the country. This is a great place to bring in what's happening uh, in your market. But I changed this slide up just a little bit. If you remember, it's a showing time slide that we've been watching since the start of this, since we started doing this. We had it as a line, and, I, and I've added it as a bar graph to show that over the last nine weeks, we have seen this positive uh, you know, recovery in people going out and looking at homes, you know, uh, uh, physically, and maybe in some cases still virtually, but people saying, hey, we want to go, it hasn't stopped us from going out and looking at uh, a new home or, or, you know, exploring what we want in a home. And we're seeing that happen in this sustained pattern since like the middle of May. So very interesting there. The, The next one is, purchase application. So we know they've gone out and they've looked at a home. They're now applying for the financing to go out and and attain that home. 10 straight weeks is what we're sitting at of year over year increases. Now, what we want to start to look at right now is we are benefiting from, you know, Tom, you talked about this of Hey, there's going to come a time where people are going to come out. We've just looked at it. That, that is what that represents. There's probably in that a lot of pent-up demand of people that couldn't get out. They had, uh, you know, plans to, to, to do something, and, and now they, they're, they were able to do it. We want to watch that forward and say, okay, now that, that we're maybe getting through some of that pent-up demand, how is that going to continue on? If we look at right now at what, um, you know, what's driving this and, and how builders are even feeling, you know, we... we we looked at a lot of things this week from the National Association of Home Builders. It's saying, hey, they're definitely seeing a drive to the suburbs and people coming out wanting to build a home right now. And I pulled this quote right here. You might have seen it. Builder confidence in the market for newly built single family homes jumped 14 points to 72 in July, according to the latest NAHB Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. The HMI now stands at the solid pre-pandemic reading in March before the outbreak outbreak affected much of the nation. So we just saw those leading indicators of people looking at homes and applying for financing. Now we're seeing this in builders as well, saying, hey, we're back to pre-pandemic, uh, you know, uh, confidence in what people are looking for in, uh, in a home and wanting to build a home. Can Another, I comment on that? Absolutely. Alicia, let me, let me just say one thing real quick and then I want you to drive it home. Everyone watching, those last three slides and the fourth one coming up, this is the video you need to shoot this weekend. You need yeah. to print these off and I don't care if you literally stand with your phone and you're like, you know, people are asking me what's happening in housing. I wanna show you guys and like literally, I'm, I would be on my phone going like this. Well, let me show you this one first and foremost, right? So what this tells us is, yes, there's always going to be fear in the marketplace but people are out looking at property every single day. Now, it's one thing to look at property, but guess what? You show them the next one. Here, I actually screwed it up. Here's the mortgage application, <laughs> right? So you're literally like, people are looking, people are mortgaged, right? And then this one, and then David, when you show them the next one, the housing uh, market recovery index, like if you shoot that video, please tag me in it because I want to see it. And you know, I'll probably share it on my Instagram stories because we need to educate people on what's going on to remove the fear and drama. Alicia, you were going to say. So the uh, home builders, uh, 
interesting, interesting story. I have a couple relationships with some local home builders. Um, one of them is this rock star on-site sales agent, love her to pieces. And um, they transferred her off-site because she was so good and selling so many houses that they couldn't keep up with demand. They had to slow it down. Now, what's interesting also is that they can't keep up. But again, we talked earlier pre, uh, pre-show about where the home seller is going to go. Um, many times, you know, the builders have more inventory than the resale market has. So the builders are benefiting from this as well because they're the ones that have the inventory and you can manipulate-ish the timeline a little bit so that's like, okay, that home seller has a place to go and they can do that. So, you know, if, if you're a realtor right now and you don't have relationships with home builders because you know what, that's a source of listings, people. You make a relationship with home builders, they sell them the house, you then get the listing. Yeah. So that's, um, that's one way to also pick up listings. Every one of you, if you raise over to TomFerry.com and you download my 33 listing attraction strategy, like that whole campaign that we did two years ago at the summit. Yep, that's, that's one of them. Much people like go, oh, that's how you go after builders. Got it. So David. Housing, uh, the housing market recovery index. This is my this is my top three slides right here. Right on. That's uh, that's exciting. This this is exciting. So we started talking about this several weeks ago when NAR released the housing market recovery index, and it, it combines demand, supply, price, and time on market. Now, now what this shows, and Tom, I, I love your analogy of holding the slide up and saying that we we saw this dip, and we are now at a point a above the February first baseline okay so 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 that index has calculated where were we at on february 1st and where are we at or where have we been relative to that so we know we dropped off the you, you know the cliff there and and sometime around mid-may started to come back up not suggesting that we're you know ahead of where we would have been if, if the pandemic wouldn't have happened but when we look at these four indicators we're above where we were uh, in uh, on the, the beginning of February. What, what does that mean right now? What it means is all the things that we had to figure out in our business, they got figured out. And we were able to get back to work. A lot of the great agents that, you know, everybody uh, that's watching us and has been doing this uh, for several months and watching this week in housing, getting out there, delivering the message, Tom, making the videos, controlling what's happening out in the market to drive housing forward and we see that result right here 100 percent, alicia when you when you see this how do you okay so alicia i'm going to put you on the spot as coach and rockstar team leader and rockstar agent how are you going to use those four slides and maybe just specifically that last one hey it's tom ferry question what's your favorite social media platform are you big on insta do you love to tweet no matter where you answer i'd love for you to connect with me there all you got to do is just type in at tom ferry and follow and let's you and i connect i want to be able to deliver the right content the right ideas the ways to help you grow your business stay fired up keep moving be in action and run plays that work and the platform that matters most to you so subscribe and i'll see you there soon um, this one is a really good slide for everything, for, for buyers, for sellers, you know, particularly buyer, you know, you, you also have misinformed buyers who yeah. think that, you know, they, they listen to Susie or, you know, or somebody else who's not really delivering accurate.
accurate data and information and they think that, oh, it's a great time to buy because you know, I can come in and lowball people. Um, so this slide really helps drive the point home that no, this is, this is a different kind of market. Um, it drives the point home that yes, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you really can get top dollar for your house. We've, just like David said, we figured it out. You know, we, we figured out how to show homes and the buyers are not, not all the buyers are scared. Plenty of them are, are back in the market. So really just to drive point the home. I mean, I was in Pottery Barn the other day buying a closing gift for a client and uh, the sales agent asked me, uh, she's like, oh, how's the market? I'm like, it's crazy. This is a closing gift for a client. She goes, you're kidding. I said, no. So again, use the opportunity to educate another consumer and she was like, wow, I had no idea. So, you know, you think that people know because we're in the business, we're hearing it from you um, and we are living and breathing it, but really the general population doesn't know. So doing, um, doing a video, doing a, uh, a newsletter, email newsletter blog, printing it out and sticking it in the mail. Um, right. Do not forget the mail. Um, you know, you can, uh, one of your 33 listing attractions was, to um, take your business card and stick a sticky note on it and write, call me about your house. I I'm talking about this with my coaching clients. You know, you can print that out in mini and say, call me about your house um, and, and, and staple it together and put it in the door. Don't knock on the door, that freaks people out right now. Just shove it in the door. So um, there's, there's a bunch of ways off the top of my head that I think you can use these slides. Yeah, the thing, and it, you hit it, direct mail, email, in text, in social, on video. And the thing that I want to stress to everybody is this. Um, so many of you, I'm so proud of you. You are doing such a good job on video, right? I mean, really, like, own that. You're doing such a good, could you do better? Yes. Could you have better lighting? Sure. But you're doing it, right? Done is better than perfect. Here's the next level. This is what I really want you to get. You shoot a video once that's super important and then it's gone yeah i would take that video and i would shoot it like seven times over a month you want to know why because maybe one percent of the people on facebook actually saw it definitely maybe one percent saw it on instagram don't don't get caught up in but but i'm just saying the same thing over and over again right some people need to hear it six, seven times before they finally go, now it's my idea. It's safe. I can do this. Come on, honey, let's go. But you're going to get a broader reach if you take that same message and you record it in a different setting. You shoot it out in front of a, a recent sold sign. Hey, I'm standing in front of a pottery barn. You're not going to believe this. I walked inside and the woman said to me, God, like you're in real estate. How are you doing? Are you okay? Like, do you need food? And I said, no, I'm, I'm closing my 57th transaction. This is actually a closing gift because see, she didn't understand the housing recovery market index that actually shows us being better right now than February, right? You could do that over and over and over and you're still not going to touch 100% of the people that already know you, like you, and trust you. So please yeah. know that you're doing well and do more. Yeah. I, I and and I was going to say in the, in the data of that, yeah. getting it out quickly is so yes. important right today. now. Today. Today. I want to say something. This is funny. You guys will get a kick out of this. Carrie and I got up early this morning, went for a walk, went to the mailbox and got it. And what do I have? I've got a card from an agent active pending and sold on the back. I don't know if you can see this. It says, uh, 
uh, mortgage rates fell to the lowest uh, point in 50 years, keeping current matters. I'm like, this is awesome. I called this agent this morning. So I left a voicemail for him and said, you're crushing it. You're absolutely killing it. But that was released last week. I was shocked. I was like, wow, today being able to respond to what's happening in the market quickly is the key to getting that information out there. I agree. And if you pay attention to SEO and you put it up on YouTube and you, tr you follow the trends of the day, you get picked up on, it gets, all you need is one of those videos to go viral, my friends, on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, and your brand really gets blown up and extended. Okay. You know, and I just wanted to, I get, a, I get an objection from coaching clients um, sometimes about, well, aren't they tired of, aren't they tired of seeing me or hearing me? Yeah. Um, I have a coaching client who's actually implemented, not only does he send his news, it's an email newsletter, he starts repeat sending it again and his click rates go up. I, I think that there was a, a video, I don't know, 10 years ago, it was like this rate at which information gets hit at us. And it was like, ding, 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 ding. Um, you probably remember it from a bunch of years ago. And um, the point of that is, don't worry about the people who have already seen it because the beauty of it is they'll just scroll by. Yep. Um, and so just keep doing it, repeat yourself, do it in a different setting. Just like Tom said, they don't get tired of you. They're not mad at you. No. The beauty of it, they're not mad at you that you've said the same thing. Um, they understand that, you know, or, or the algorithms of whatever social media you're on, may not even deliver it the first or second or third time. Yes. So it's okay to do it multiple times. To, to drive it home even deeper, remember modality matters. Modality matters, right? Kath and I in the carpool lane, waiting to pick up the kids. And she says to me, we should move, right? I call Tim Smith and say, hey, Kathy's thinking about moving, right? Voicemail message, didn't get him on the phone. Literally three hours later, he calls me, hey man, I've been in a bunch of appointments. Are you guys really thinking about selling the house? By the time he got back to us, modality had changed, right? My wife's like, no, I love our house. Look at this beautiful sunset. Like literally people's mind changes all the time. So they may not open your email the first time. They may scroll past you the first time. Then someone says something, they're like, okay, what's Alicia saying? So, so really you can't put mm -hmm. out, you can't put it out enough. Look at me, we, we did 804 social posts last month on six different sites. Now, maybe some of you are going, okay, Ferry, <laughs> you do too much. <laughs> but guess what? It continues to grow. The numbers continue to grow. Everything improves. I'm extending my brand. I'm finding my tribe. Please continue to do the same. Now, David, unemployment. This, okay. is, a, this is a startling one. This, the, this first slide I'm looking at and I'm like, People are going to need to understand what this actually means because this is going to yeah. scare. You. So let's 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 hit this, and I want I want to I want to say something as we hop into that. We're talking about this so that when you see things in the market, you hear things in the market, you hear objections, you're able to deliver what's actually going on. And let's talk about that. The first we're going to talk about unemployment. I, I don't have this. Uh, the other topic as a slide. The next we're going to hear next week is we're going to get the initial look, what they call the advanced estimate of the second quarter GDP in this country, and it's going to be brutal. Yep. There are going to be headlines all over the place. We need to be ready for that.
of, of a significant reduction in uh, output across the country. So we know that's happened. So I, I wanna set these up to say, okay, let's be ready for these things as they come out so that we can make videos, we can respond to people, we can do what we need to do to overcome uh, those questions. So the first one I wanna start out with is, and we've looked at this, the complete look at unemployment. And this is the look of the cumulative filing. So that's what we get every week as compared to who's actually currently collecting unemployment. And if I were to simplify this, I simplified this slide here real quick. You see in the orange that, you know, cumulative numbers continue to rise as you know, we, we compound that number each week, meaning we add on top of the filings from the previous week and, and so forth. And then we watch, okay, who's actually coming off of unemployment to see who's currently collecting it. This is what this looks like. David, David go, go back just for one second. Yep. You, not, not saying you brushed over it, but every time you turn on this gosh darn news, what they say is 51 million filings for unemployment. Correct. What Correct. does the average non-thinking, fear-based, God bless them consumer do? They go, oh my God, 51 million people are unemployed. Absolutely. Right? It's a wonderful headline to keep people Hey, and when you come back after the break, we're going to talk about the 51 million people that filed for unemployment. You're like, oh my God, the whole world's falling apart. I got to come back and click watch more so they can sell you more advertising. Right. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, this is kind of a simplified look at that. The cumulative number has grown to 51 million people that have filed for unemployment benefits. Now, the, what we want to be aware of is this past week, we saw that number tick up by about 100,000 to 1.4 million people filing. Uh, the previous week, it was 1.3. So that's going to be you know, something that we want to watch. We're looking for trends here. So we, we, we know we've got this 50 million uh, uh, news story that's probably gonna be out there. You're gonna turn on the TV, like you said, Tom, and see, hey, 50 million people are out of work. Well, actually, it's about 16 million, 16.2 that are currently collecting unemployment. And the difference between that is those that have gone back and gotten jobs. You know, we talked about uh, the, uh, the previous unemployment report where 4.8 million jobs were added last month. You know, so when we see a headline that so-and-so is laying off 10,000 people or whatever, that's going to be the headline. Remind people, 4.8 million jobs were added last month. Yep. And you know what, David? I know, Alicia, you got comments on this before we, we hit them with the, my final favorite two slides. I think it's so important, my friends, that you go back two weeks, you take this slide and the slide from two weeks ago where it says, and here is the unemployment by age. Because when you look and say 65% of the people that are, that are unemployed right now are under 25 years old, look, I don't wish that on my kids. I don't wish that on your kids. I don't wish that on anybody that just got out of college. But we have to understand our industry. That's not the person that's buying a house in mass. It's tragic. Be mindful of how you say it. But I think it's a very important distinction. It's a very important distinction to say, hey, we still got 69 million, but 65% of them fall under this category. You know, because your you know, 22-year-old is now living at home in the basement, smoking weed and playing video games. Again, Alicia, thoughts on that? Got to be careful, but thoughts on that? So when I look at this slide, um, and David, can you clarify something? Can you pull the slide back up? Um, sure. The one with the orange? Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. Thank you. Um, 
the this slide cumulative new filings mm -hmm. so the word cumulative to me means that that is all the filings since the beginning of covid yes correct okay so when i was looking at this i was like okay that's confusing so i think that to your point this this even just the general data is a little bit confusing and misleading because it says that 50 million people have filed but what we need to make sure we drive home is 50 million people are not unemployed. Correct. Right? Yes. So that's what the blue line is. I, I don't mean to be breaking it down dumb, but when I look at this, I personally was like, that seems like a lot of people unemployed. Um, but then I had to look at it a couple of times and go, okay, so that's over the course of the last four months. And the only people that are actually re receiving unemployment is 16.2 now might that tick up a little bit over the newer filings over the last couple of weeks sure but you also just mentioned that 4.8 million jobs were just added so i think that it's important to understand too that the number is 50 just like you said and i think i'm repeating what you said just a little differently mm -hmm. um you know yes people over the course of the last however many months have um cumulatively added up together but not all of those people are sitting unemployed Right. Um, you know, right. and I think that that's going to grow and change. I mean, if you look at the opportunities, if you're willing to change, there are also a lot of opportunities because the world pivoted, you know, and so with 4.8 million new jobs, there's plenty of opportunities. Now, not to discount, um, I want to at least honor the um, something that uh, some people have been given the opportunity to go back to work. Um, however, um, they're not comfortable going back to work. They, they, uh, they don't feel that their work environment is safe. And in which case that's, that's a real challenge. And, um, and my heart goes out and I don't need to spend a lot of time there, but just because the government says, oh, you know, things are headed in the right direction because jobs have opened back up. It may be in working conditions that the individual is like, I don't know about that. Like, sure. why are you making me go back to work? So there's there's a little conflict there, and I just wanted to make sure I, I gave that the the honoring that it needed to. Absolutely. In those in, in those numbers, I want I want to say a couple of things. You're right. Over time, 50 million people have filed. Now, the interesting thing about that is not everybody that files, you, you know, gets benefits, and people get their jobs back and people go back to work. That's the difference there. Now, what we don't wanna assume is that 16 million people out of work is a good thing. It is not. No. It, it is something that we have to address. And you know, our hope is that every month, every week, that more and more people get a chance to go back to work safely and, and be able to do it the way that they wanna do it. But really starting to, to go, okay, what is happening there, you know? And, and I think to your point, depending on where you live, depending on families that you serve, these are real issues because, you know, it leads to kind of, kind of the next point here and, and what, we're, what the next headline that, that's come out is we're at a point in this country right now where seriously delinquent um, mortgages are at a, a time where we're as high as we were back in 2011. Okay, 1.8 million mortgages are 90 days past due, what they would call seriously delinquent. Okay, so that's, that's what we want to go, okay, what's going on with that? Because the reality is, is back in 2008, and what we know about that number is once you go three months past due, 
the cure rate or the ability to make that payment back up is extremely hard. And I think if we think about that, if you've got a thousand or two thousand dollar mortgage payment, and you you know that you you can't make that payment now, you owe five or six thousand dollars in a mortgage payment. How are you going to make that? So that that's the 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 next thing coming relative to you have to attach it to unemployment because it's someone that says hey, I have a situation here that I cannot get back to work I cannot uh, you know make the money that I want to make and and here's what I would say this this is another video that we need to probably get out in the market if you're struggling if you're having an issue there are options we talked about it last week you can go back and watch last week's video where the CFPB has expressly uh, given directive that you can extend yes, uh, your right. forbearance. Yep. Second, we talked about it. I think it was last week. We hit it again. Go ahead, Sean. And wasn't it's like three hundred and sixty days? Correct. No, one hundred and eighty. Yes. Right. It's like uh, oh, three sixty total. Three hundred and sixty right. days. Correct. So that's basically yeah. five days short of a year. I mean, the the government is doing everything in their power to put people in a good place not what happened in 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so, so we know that is, is the truth that what, you know, the, the CFPB has done through this whole program is to help people weather the storm. The yeah. second thing that we talked about, 77% of these people that are past due have at least 20% equity in their homes. That's they can make a decision if they want to to sell. Um, the other thing I would say right now is banks, based on 2008, they don't want the house back. Every situation is going to be unique, and I'm not suggesting that we all move into trying to help people modify their loan or, or do that, but there are options. If somebody were to go into, into foreclosure today that has equity or in that situation, gosh, we need to get that word out there if they don't know what the options are that are available to them. I, I don't think I've said loan modification since like <laughs> 2012. Right. Yeah. There, Alicia, there's something interesting for maybe we need to explore like on the coaches page. There's some there's something in there that we need to, you know, re-explore and figure out how we can help our clients help any client that is potentially in that situation. I yeah. agree. David, every, every situation is going to be different. We want to encourage them and say, hey, look, there are options. Where are you at? You know, uh, how, how do we best serve you? So, so you've been, you've been toying around here. I'm razzing you because you know, like the next three slides are like my all time favorite, but the two are really key. So let's, let, we, we're talking forbearance. So let's show them that slide and then let's get to that unemployment rate as it relates to home buying. Cause that's the real key for everybody. They got to see this, this data. Yeah. So let, let me, I'll hit these forbearance slides. They are a little bit of a follow up to what we just said. Uh, if we look at forbearances right now, the number of mortgages that are in forbearance has fallen for the third week in a row. Again, we're looking for trends here. We're going to stay on top of that, but it is a uh, it is a good thing that people are coming out of that program. Uh, like, like was just mentioned, there are options for people that are still in financial hardship uh, to extend forbearance, and uh, and we need to get that word out and, and encourage them to do that if that is the situation that you know is affecting them and their family. The next is there are alternatives. We talked about extending uh, the forbearance modifications or, or the third, selling the home. I, you know, with the amount of equity that people have today, um, the only reason a, a, a home would go into foreclosure is if they didn't have, you know, they're, they're one of the smaller pieces uh, of the pie of folks that don't have the equity where they could even do that. But we know 
90% have at least 10% equity uh, in their home and, uh, and can do that as an avoidance to yeah. forbearance. Uh, so I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make the argument, and Alicia, I want your input here, that these two slides, this is an email to your entire database saying, if you know someone that is in a situation where they have you know, done forbearance and they are concerned, right? There's three different options. You can extend it, right? You can look at loan modification or you can sell the property. I can help you understand any one of those three. If you know, like you don't wanna say, hey, you, my past client, are you in this situation? But you wanna say, if you know someone, right, I can help with these three things, right? That's a very powerful email message right now that even in the subject line could be, you know, uh, forbearance issues got you down, right? Like, you know, forbearance concerning you, right? You know, not making mortgage pay. I, I, I would be a little provocative in my headline because what I want is the open rate to my database at maybe 40 or 50% because it's provocative, but then you going in and saying, if you know someone, this is how I can help, right? Absolutely. I think for that friendly referral. A hundred percent because, you know, people, you know, one of my, one of my other favorite people is Brene Brown and yeah. um, she talks a lot about shame. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when, um, I don't mean to bring an emotional component into this, um, yeah. but that's where we are. And so when you're talking about losing your job, um, people find pride in their work, um, being able to make money, take care of the home. You know, there's, you know, why we love selling real estate is because we love the pride in helping people buy their home and, and have that, et cetera. So, you know, they're not always gonna come and be forthcoming to the realtor automatically, but they probably will be forthcoming potentially to their family member, their best friend or whatever. So the referral is going to come not from the person because there is a shame component um, because shame makes you withdraw. So it's super important to, yes, get, again, you, you, same thing. You've been now repeating yourself on the, you got to get the information out there. So understanding that these are your options. And again, citing the data of how many homes have equity in the United States right now, which is a KCM slide that I think has shown up repeatedly. Oh. Um, so fine. It's not in today's thing, but um, how many homes have equity? And using the term protecting that equity. You know, again, not to roast Susie Orman, but a bank is not going to sell a house for half of what it's worth. So just because somebody owes 150000 if the house is worth three hundred, just like you said, they'll probably sell it for three fifty. dollars And if they're going to sell it for three fifty, dollars then you should sell it for three fifty dollars and walk away with your two hundred grand. You pay off whatever debt, you write your ship. It's not fun, it's not sexy, and it sucks. I'm not going to say it any easier, yeah. but take care of you before you go too far. Don't let the shame and the withdrawal of, oh God, I lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay. Don't let that prevent you from making the right financial decisions or, or talking to the right people who can help guide you to the right place. Right. Very well said. By the way, that's a micro clip. Just, uh, just saying, put the interest in over there. What did I do? Micro clip do? moment for my Instagram stories. Thank you. Yes. Very, You're and awesome. I, all kidding is very, very powerful and very well said. So David, everyone, we talked about it two weeks ago and the comments were, yes, we're concerned. You know, when you see unemployment, yeah. 
the natural assumption is, of course, that's going to impact home purchasing, right? Home buying. So you guys did some research. Let's drive this one home. Yeah. So, so that is the thought, you know, there are 50 million people. We talked about this headline out of work, you know, which is not uh, accurate. We just, we just talked through that. We're seeing uh, seriously delinquent at a, you know, I'm going to call it an all time high or, or, you know, close to where we were back in 2011 in the housing crash. And, and that, that idea, and there are economists saying this, that, that, you know, we could look at rising unemployment in the future. Now, the question you want to say is, okay, rising unemployment, you would think that's going to impact home sales. And uh, the KCM research team went back and looked back uh, to about the late 80s. And I'll share that with you here. And I, and I want to share it uh, with this perspective. I'm not suggesting this is a, you know, Instagram post or something like that. It's something to be understood and then really help walk someone through that if they have a question or even a, I think you can record a video. We've seen so many people, you know, do what we're doing here is, you know, share on Zoom and walk people through this is what's actually uh, happening. So this is a look at unemployment rates as compared to home sales. And we can make the, the I'm going to make the argument, they do not have a truly direct relationship right here. So our team went back and looked at this and said, okay, in rising unemployment environments in this country, what happened with home sales? And so the first where you see kind of the left side of the screen, the number one there around the late 80s, we were in a rising unemployment uh, situation where unemployment rose to seven and a half percent. We also see during that time that home sales actually increased. Okay, so not, not, not the uh, impact we would think maybe in that case. The second scenario is, is around the early 2000s where we again had another rising unemployment uh, rate at that time. We rose to about 6% and we can see right there, I'll kind of bring my mouse over it, we're, we're in, a, in a rising uh, environment relative to home sales. Two examples. Now the one that we could say is, uh, is reflective of a rising uh, unemployment rate is here uh, at the number three point, which is around the housing crash 2008, where we rose to 9.6% unemployment in this country and we saw home sales uh, fall off. Now that, that right there is something that we wanted to kind of go, okay, let's unpack that and look at it a little bit deeper. And so in order to do that, we, we, we took that period of time and we kind of blew it up right here. And we looked at unemployment rate, home sales, and then what we always look at, the mortgage credit availability index from uh, the MBA. Because if you remember at that time, when we went through the housing crash, we had this pendulum swing in what I would call guidelines and, and qualifications to obtain financing for a home, to go out and get a mortgage uh, that, that became much, much stricter. And when you overlay those two on there, you see, I would call it a direct relationship and the number of people that were put on the sidelines that literally could not at that point buy a home that significantly impacted uh, the number of homes sold, you know, just because they couldn't qualify for financing. So I think we can fairly safely look at this and go, a rising unemployment rate does not necessarily equal falling home sales. And, and Tom, it was a great idea to go back and, and, and look at this and, and, and the team did a great job of, of outlining all of this data. So Alicia, as you see that, you know, we were, you know, we were chatting about this earlier, like, okay, what does that really mean? Is there a correlation? Is there not a correlation? Uh, now that David's described it maybe a second time, like, 
what what are you thinking now? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I understand it. It's, it, you know, again, when I was invited to join you guys today, I had the privilege of being able to look at the slides ahead of time. And this is the one that I was like, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I, I, I am, I, Tom, you called me a rock star, but I, I'm not, you know, you still sometimes look at things and you're like, really? Um, but no, David, the way you explained it, it, it really does on, you know, you see that, yes, unemployment rates went up, but so did, no, so did home sales. So um, no, they're not really that related. And um, I, you know, obviously I'd be curious to see what the line looks like for 2020 when you're able to do that, which you obviously can't right now, but. Um, but hold on, but Alicia, that's gonna have a giant asterisk next to it that says, we couldn't show anything. You couldn't well, see a house. Let me, let me say this. You gotta have that asterisk there. Outside of the big dip, when, when the unemployment rate was the highest, what's happened in the last couple of months? We've seen higher unemployment than we've seen in this country since the Great Depression. Have we sold any homes? Yes. Lots. <laughs> so, so we do know what's happening. We can. All of it. Right. You know, and, and to your point, Tom, again, not to pick on the, the lower age group, but, you know, a large chunk of those unemployment are, are in the, the lower 20s. You know, they're, they're not buying houses, whether they're, whether it's COVID or not, you yeah. know, I mean, they don't, they, they, some people buy houses in the early 20s, and they're the smart ones, um, but most wait until they're a little bit older, more established. They don't, they, they, they're like, okay, I'm going to stay here in this city. Um, I see a lot of the middle 20s that they're, they, they're just worried about, you know, making that permanent, that feeling like that permanent decision. Um, and so they, they just wait a little bit longer, later 20s and say, okay, this is, this, this is city town, wherever I want to I land in. So the fact that they're unemployed right now, you know, we talked about it affecting maybe that they're still at home so that the, the people who would sell the the big house, so to speak, yeah. um, aren't because they still have a, a full house. So yeah. that I think is a challenge, but you know, the young people aren't buying homes anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. Two things really fast for all my friends that are out there watching with us live. Um, first of all, I want to say Alicia, outstanding, right? Thank you so much for contributing. And David, as always, um, you know, the, the, the brilliance of all of us in this conversation, David, your slides, you know, Alicia, your, you know, 20 plus years perspective. Um, but what I want to know for everybody right now is in the comments, um, I got two requests. One, I want to know what was the main thing you got from today's show? I've, I've yet to ask this, David, in, in now yeah. 14, 15 weeks of doing this. What was the main thing you got from today's show? Because I want to read those comments later. And then, you know, David, we can go through those and yeah. think about how we can help going forward on the next one. And then secondly, um, who can you share this with? You know, is this share worthy content? Like I mentioned earlier, like the more you put out, the better. Even if you shared it and you said, you know, as an active real estate professional who's deeply committed and passionate about my customers, one of the most important things that I see is this misinformation about what this is saying, what that's saying, what this is saying. I tune into this show every two weeks so I can be the educator, so I can see both sides of everything to inform you. Hey, by the way, this real estate guy, he's a coach, so he's gonna say some things you're gonna go, huh? But you know, the other two, they're, you know, one's a top producing agent, what like myself, one's an economist. But I think you're gonna get a lot of value out of this. And it, you know, David, you've heard me say, you know, I guarantee right now, like um, my brother-in-law is probably watching, 
right? And I razzed him. I said, he has, he's got a shutter business, a wood blind business. He's like, no, I do more than that, right? So Robert, <laughs> if you're watching, but he said, it's so refreshing. He said, because real estate is so vital for anybody that's living in California, but you know, anywhere, like it's how do you become a millionaire? You buy a home in California, you wait, right? He said, it's so important for you to hear that because God, I turn on CNN and it just, I feel like the whole world's falling apart, right? So this is good for everybody. So let me know if you're going to share it. That would mean a lot to us and let's help more people. And I see a lot of you, you know, putting in the comments now, uh, like I like that, the explanation of the UI chart. Absolutely. So that's it. Yeah, we went, we went six minutes over team. So my friends out there, listen, stay safe, keep moving forward powerfully. Think about how you're going to battle against the six things I discussed in the beginning, the misinformation, right? Not enough consistent listing attraction, getting your offers accepted, the three things that Alicia shared. We're going to do that. And I think like three entire breakout sessions at this year's summit, just on that subject. That's how important it is. How are you going to get your time back? Look at your schedule, people. If you're looking at your schedule and it's like, wide open that means anybody can control that wide open space but if you're blocking chunks of time of the things that matter most that move the needle from going to the gym to spending time with your family being with your spouse and if you're single you know prospecting right and then let all the work fill in don't do the opposite that's what sucks the life out of us in this business mentally tough you know, I was listening to, to Joe Rogan this morning. I don't know if anybody else out there listens to Joe Rogan. And, you know, I'm a fan because he says things like, no one's talking about immune health. You need to get sleep. You need to take vitamin D. You need to cut out alcohol. Like, you know, cut out caffeine. Do all the things that kill your immune system. Like, all of that speaks to mental toughness. What are you going to do this week to be more mentally tough? To be less, uh, you know, reactionary to all the things happening around the world. And then the last one, do more content, create more trust, find your tribe, find the people that like you that don't swipe up, but they keep watching. That's what this is all about. So thank you too for, uh, for being you. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, Alicia, safe drive. Uh, obviously, you know, love you both. So my friends, hope you enjoyed this week in housing. We'll see you in two weeks. And we're gonna do it again earlier in the morning on Fridays. Take care, everybody. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.